alcoholic. Uh, my sobriety date is 0101 of 06. Thank you for that. Uh, after seeing that guy get 19 years, that doesn't even impress me anymore, but it really does. I'm, I, I never imagined I'd be up here with three years. Yeah, just a couple months ago. Um, uh, this book, Alcoholics Anonymous, mine doesn't have a cover. It's what it used to look like, but uh, it, it definitely saved my life. You know, there's no doubt about it. And uh, what it says on page 58, it says, Our story is disclosed in a general way, what we used to be like, what happened, and what we're like now. That's what I'm here to do. I'm going to try to do that. Um, I, I don't go into uh, the whole drunk log. I'll tell you about my first drink and my last drink, and maybe one in between. <laughs> what happened was, uh, my mom always warned me. So when I read Bill's story, and it, it said in there that he forgot those warnings of his family concerning drink, I could relate to that. Because uh, my dad, like Raymond said, he's an alcoholic. You know, he just celebrated like 20 years sobriety. But he wasn't around when I was a kid. Uh, two years old, and he, he scooted, and Mom went one way, he went the other way. So there was five of us kids, and uh, she's my hero. Yeah, she kept us together. There, there was no doubt. Without her, I wouldn't be here. And uh, I don't know how she knew this, but whenever we'd ask about him, she'd say, your dad's sick. <laughs> and little did she know, that's, that's, that's it. You know, he was. He was sick. And... Um, you know, she warned me, and uh, she knew what alcohol could do because she, she lived through that. And 17 years old, I took my first drink. It was a uh, next-door neighbor had a graduation party, and there was a keg there. And I had never taken a drink, but I was pretty excited about the keg party. You know, all the high school girls were going to be there. I was going to be there. It seemed like the right thing to do. So it was. Uh, we lived out in the country, and they had a bonfire and right next to the bonfire, they had the keg, and there was wood there, and lit the fire. And uh, you know, once I took that first drink, something something changed, and it was just me. You know, I felt comfortable in my own skin, and I, I never felt that way before. I used to uh, spend a night at this best friend's house, and I wouldn't say anything to his parents. You know, me and him would talk, but I was just shy. But that night. I took that first drink and couldn't shut me up. You know, they tried. I mean, they really did. I, I was telling his sister what she should do about her marriage. I was telling everybody what. You know, I was 17 years old. I didn't know anything, but I thought I did. And what happened later on that night was uh, the wood got put out of the wheelbarrow onto the fire. I ended up in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> My buddy came over and put his hand on it and almost burned himself. He's like, Chad, you got to get out of there. You know, you're going to catch on fire. But I was having a good time. He said that he never saw anybody puke straight up in the air before. But that's what I did. I accomplished that, and I kept on drinking. Yeah, that didn't even slow me down. And that, that was my first experience, you know. And then later on, a bunch of experiences later, what happened was it was uh, New Year's Eve, and I just wanted to get that good night kiss. And I didn't know who I was going to get it from, but I, I, I went to the club. You know, because that's, that's what I used to do. And um, so I get to the club, and I did. I got that goodnight kiss and uh, ended up, I had a bottle of champagne at the house. And I knew that I had been drunker before. Yes, yeah, so I was okay to drive. 
and I got pulled over. You know, and uh, the police officer, I don't know if you guys ever saw Family Matters, Steve Urkel, but he looked just like that cop, you know, big guy. And uh, he asked me to walk the straight line, and I did that, you know, because I, I really, I was intoxicated, but I'd been pulled over before in a blackout where the cop actually had to put my car in park and tell me about it later. So, so this time I felt pretty confident. So I'm walking a straight line. I did that fine. He said, say you're ABC, so I'm doing that okay. And then he, he, he did one of these numbers where he was trying to stand on one foot, and he almost fell over. And so I started laughing. You know, just, I mean, you got to laugh at that. And uh, he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I, I, I was still laughing. I said, can you show me that again? <laughs> and that, that was when he said, put your hands behind your back. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. You know, I've done that before. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was it. That was, that was the last time I drank. And, uh, I don't know how this stuff works, but he, he had me, uh, do the breathalyzer deal. And, uh, he said that he wasn't going to take me to jail this time. Yeah. He, he impounded the car. He said, I'll drop you off at your house. So he did that, dropped me off at the house. And once again, you know, I'm calling dad, you know, cause that's what I used to do. By this time, he was back in my life, and um, yeah, we—I I don't know. I, it was—it uh, was all first step stuff, and I, I had no idea about this book or about Alcoholics Anonymous or that I had uh, a problem. You know, um, Fred's story on page forty-two gives a, a real good description of, of where I was at. If you haven't read this story, it really helped me. It, it says. Well, just that did happen and more. For what I learned of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. I knew from that moment that I had an alcoholic mind. I saw that willpower or self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental blank spots. I had never been able to understand people who said that a problem had them hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. And for me, that's what it was like because before... I wanted to solve this problem. You know, whatever the problem was, I, I didn't want to be powerless over anything. And I, I just, I wasn't real excited about the first step. <laughs> you know, that was just my experience. I, it, it was something that I didn't know. You know, I ran out of answers. And um, I came to AA before this, and I, I heard a guy up here talking, and, and I judged him. You know, and that's that's what I used to I'd sit in the back and I'd say, well, I never had this happen. I never had that happen. And, uh, you know, I'm too young for this. So. But but this time I was licked. Yeah, that, that, that was where I got. So I came back there again. And um, this time it was around 30 days sober is where I was at. And uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't live with those thoughts in my head anymore. And uh, if you don't know what those thoughts are, then that, that's good because they weren't pretty. And, and I knew that I'd be drinking again if I didn't find some kind of solution. And I was coming to the AA meetings and I was listening and I was still judging. Yeah. You know, um, and today I'm pretty sure some of you guys out there are going to be judging me, but it's cool because what I do is I judge you all here. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> Really, uh, what happened was after 30 days, there was this guy after the meeting, 
and he would come up to me, and we did that, you know, they pass out the meeting listings, and they give phone numbers, and they say, give me a call, and I still wasn't calling anybody, it just wasn't what I did, and uh, he would he would run me down after every meeting, ask how I was, actually showed some like he cared about me, which was beyond me. And uh, that day, 30 days sober on my own, I, I just said, I don't have a sponsor. Will you be my sponsor? And he said he would. And that was when the journey started for me. And what happened was uh, we agreed that I'd meet at his house once a week, and he would take me through the book like his sponsor took him through the book. And I was... I was at work, I had to have my dad actually drive me to and from work because I didn't have a license, and while I was at work, I went to a website, and it's uh, www.xa-speakers.org, and I would listen to about eight leads a day while I worked, so I sit behind a computer all day and I draw, so, you know, I, I, I was listening, and I actually got to hear some hope in those me messages and something I couldn't do at a meeting because I was judging, you know. But when I'm sitting there with headphones on just listening to a message, I didn't know what these people look like. And I just, I listened and I listened and I heard hope, which was something that I didn't have at the time. So uh, we agreed that I'd meet at his house. And through listening to all this stuff, I got to hear how other people work the steps, which was pretty cool stuff. So when I showed up at his door, I had my pencil and my paper, and I was ready to start a four-step. Yeah, let's get this ball rolling. And he had to slow me down. He said, Chad, let's start at the beginning of the book, and then we'll work our way up to the four-step. And, and I, yeah, my ideas never work. So I, I, I just... I closed my mouth for one time and just listened to him. It took some direction, so we did. He started reading, and I don't know if you ever read the beginning of the, the forewords to the editions, but I was ready to fall asleep. <laughs> I was like, come on, yeah, there's got, I know there's more. Can you read faster? And I was trying to get him to help me let him read so we could get through that. But uh, the doctor's opinion, once we got to that, I started to see what, what the problem really was. And it opened my eyes, you know. And the more we read, the more I saw where I was powerless over this alcoholism. Yeah, I just, I never knew before. Um, on page 21, it says, Moderate drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. And that's what I thought I was. Yeah, because I could remember my past and my history and, and there was a time where I could just drink on the weekends when I first started yeah, and that, those were the good times that's that's where I wanted to go back to and then it, it, when I read on it says then we have a certain type of hard drinker he may have to have it badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally it may cause him to die a few years before his time if a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or warning from a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate. Although he may find it difficult and troublesome, and may even need medical attention. So I think I crossed into that stage, you know, where I was a hard drinker, and I knew if I drank on a job, I'd lose it, so I, I kind of tried to not do that. Yeah, and then 
the next paragraph says, but what about the real alcoholic? He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. And that's where I ended up. You know, I'd always said, well, I'm never going to do this. You know, I'm never going to actually drink and drive. You know, to me, that was having the can of beer in my hand, you know, while driving. So what I would do with, you know, orange juice and vodka, that's not really drinking and driving, is it? You know, that's how I drive to work. Yeah. And then lunch break would come around, and we had a we had a BW3s right next door. So I'd go there for lunch, and and I drank there. Yeah. And then after that, it was get a case for home. And then the next morning, I wake up and start the morning in the shower with a beer. You know, most people don't drink beer in the shower. I, I figured that out later on. It took me a while, but. But I got I got to see where I was powerless, you know. So that step one for me, it was an eye opener. I wasn't real excited about it. But then we went on to step two, and it says I came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And it didn't say it was going to restore me to sanity right then and there. Yeah, it said all I had to do was believe. And there's a whole chapter we agnostics, and we went through that. And it asked me a real important question, you know, do I believe there is a God? Is he everything or nothing? You know, what was my choice? My choice was everything. And, and I, I don't know, I heard somebody else say, if he understood God, then he probably wouldn't do him any good. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's about where I'm at. I know there is a God. And I know I don't understand how he works all this stuff out, but he's there, you know, and I, and I believe that today. And then we went on to step three. It's made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And, and that, yeah, most meeting places have that on the wall. But when I read in this book, when my sponsor was reading this to me, there was just so much more to that step. And uh, there was actually a third step prayer in here. It's on page 63. And this is what I did. It sounds corny. Yeah, but this is what we did. We, we held hands and we got down on our knees, me and my sponsor, in his house. Yeah. And I read this prayer and it says, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me, to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And when I first read that, I thought... Wait, I want to be relieved from bondage of alcohol. Yeah, I thought alcohol was my problem. But then after seeing all this stuff, yeah, I realized that self was my problem. It still is today. It says, relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And I love that take away my difficulties part. Because I never, uh, I had a, a prayer program before I got here, and it was basically at night when I was trashed, I would get down on my knees and I would say, God, please don't let me wake up tomorrow. And then the next morning I'd wake up and I'd get back down on my knees and I'd say, God, you did it to me again, I'm alive. Yeah, and that's where I was at, spiritually bankrupt is what they say, and that's that's where I came in. So when it says take away my difficulties, and, and I did this prayer sincerely, and I was meeting with the sponsor, I had I had fear that you wouldn't believe, 
Yeah, I, I, I really thought I was going to go to jail because it was my second DUI. I, I knew for sure my boss was going to fire me. And I knew I was going to lose the condo, the car, everything. Yeah, that that's where my fear took me. And I'm listening to another speaker. I'm still listening to things at work. I'm listening to AA, you know, trying to hear some hope. And uh, he's talking about fear. And he's like, you know, there really isn't anything to fear. All, all you have to do is just walk through that fear. So I push pause on that recording that I'm listening to. I walk down to the boss's office. I said, okay, here's the situation. I got another DUI. That's why I've been coming in an hour early, leaving an hour late, because I'm getting dropped off. I can't even drive anymore. And I said, I might be going to jail for 10 days, you know, and uh, I'm just pretty sure you're probably going to fire me, but I, I just can't live with this fear. And uh, the darndest thing happened, and it seemed to always happen, was about 90% of those fears never happened. Yeah, I, I thought about them, but what my boss said was, uh, he said, yeah, he said, okay, yeah, what, what are you doing about it? And I said, I'm, I'm going back to AA, you know, I'm about 30 days over now, or 40 days, I can't even remember. And he said, I'm glad you're trying to get help. And uh, he said... We'll deal with you going to jail if and when that comes, he said. But you're a good employee, and, I, and anything I could do to help you. He said, if you need a ride to work, I'll pick you up. Yeah, and that was so far from what I thought would happen. But but that's like one of those difficulties being removed. So then we have court dates. Yeah, I'm going to court, and uh, the police officers aren't showing up. And it's the second time now, and... I'm just wanting this to be over with. And the police officers didn't show up again. Yeah, so I go back for the third time, and the police officers didn't show up the third time, and that's when the judge said, we're just going to go ahead and throw this out. That DUI never happened. And I'm like, this? And I'm talking to people after AA meetings, and they said, nah, that'll never happen. You know, you'll have to pay reinstatement fees. You'll have to do this, this, and that. So I just trusted in God, yeah, and uh, I had to pay $20 to get my picture taken and my license back, and that was it, and it didn't show up, and, and how that happened, I don't know. One of those speakers I listened to was out in uh, California, and he does a real good description of the third step, and he compares it to uh, a drunk. What he says is there's this drunk, and he's crawling, kind of like I was. And he looks up, and he sees God. And God's got this shiny thing in his hand. And the drunk says, what you got in your hand, God? And God says, well, this is sobriety. Yeah, that was something I needed. And the drunk starts thinking, you know, I've been drinking three days. I'm muddy, laying in the gut. He said, God, I need some of that sobriety. And God said, okay. And he said, how much money you got in your pocket? <laughs> and the drunk's like, huh? He looks down. He's got $50. Yeah. The drunk says, I got $50, God. And God said, for you, son, the price of sobriety is going to be $50. And the drunk's like, okay. But then he starts thinking. You know how I do. I start thinking. Uh, God, can I give you 30 I need 20 for gas. <laughs> and God says, wait a minute. You have a car? He said, I'm going to go ahead and take your car, too. And the drunk's like, I can't give you my car. If I give you my car, how am I going to get to work? And God says, you have a job? I'm going to take your job, too. And John's like, whoa. He said, if I give you my job, I'm going to lose my house and my family. And God says, you're right. 
I'll take your house, and I'll take your family. And the drunk's like, wait a minute, if I give you all that stuff, I won't have a life. And God said, you're right. I'll take your life, too. You know, and I had to be right at that point where I was ready. Yeah, and this drunk wasn't. And he said, okay, God, I'm going to give you my life. Here you go. Yeah, and uh, what happened for me and what happened for this guy was the minute I gave all that stuff to God, God said, okay, Chad, here's your $50 back. He said, it's not your money, it's my money. I'm going to let you spend it. And then he gave me that car and that license back. And he said, that's not your car, it's my car. I'm going to let you drive it. you got to give people rides and meetings and, and do stuff like that. And I'm, okay. And uh, that job, yeah, it's not your job. It's my job. I'm going to let you work there. Try to treat those people like I treat you. You know, and that was huge for me. Okay, I'll try that. And that family and that home, it's not yours. You know, it's mine, but I'm going to let you take care of them. I'm going to let you live in it. And then he says that life, I'm going to give you that back, but it's never your life again. It's my life, but I'm going to let you live it. You know, and that's what I've been able to do through AA now. I actually get to live a life, which I, I never thought was possible. But I love the way this book is because after the third third step on the bottom of page 63, it says, Next, we launch out on a vigorous course of action, the first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which may which many of us had never attempted. And it's like as soon as I get done with one thing, boom, it's, it's shooting me right into the next step. And that fourth step for me wasn't a big deal, wasn't real hard because I... I had all that stuff in my head. It wasn't anything I had to study for. <laughs> it was all about me. You know, so when I met with the sponsor, he gave me the directions, and they were laid out in this book. And if I had a question, I could ask him. And I knew exactly who I was resentful at. I carried around that list of names for as long as I could remember. And Dad was number one on my list. You know, and the cause, he deserted me when I was two years old. It affected my self-esteem, my relationship, my pride. It, yeah, I wrote all that stuff down, and I started with the names first. I wrote down all the names because if I would have started writing across this way, I'd probably still be writing about that. Yeah, so I wrote down all the names first, and then I wrote down the causes. And um, after that, in the fourth column, what it what it says is referring to our list again putting out of the mind putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done we resolutely look for our own mistakes so i had to forget and just put out of my mind the things that these people had done to me and i had to start looking at me you know the things that i did that i'm at fault for and what i found out was that you know i made them worry about me i'd call them in blackouts on the side of the road and it, it was pretty bad, you know, the weather was bad, and he'd say, yeah, don't don't, don't go out on the interstate because you might get killed, and, you know, just, just things that I did. And then all the times I would uh, call him to bail me out of jail, all the money that I owed him, you know, all that stuff. That, that's what I did, you know, forgetting what he did to me. So I got all that stuff down, yeah, and I got... I got a list, and I went through each person, and I did that with them also. And then there was a fears list. So I got out a sheet of paper, wrote fears on it, wrote down everything I was afraid of. I was afraid of drinking again. I was afraid of being alone for the rest of my life. You know, all that stuff. I just got it down on paper. 
And then the uh, sex inventory, I got a new sheet of paper. I started writing down a list of all the names. And then I, I started asking myself the questions that are in this book. And uh, I found out that I was selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate in each one of those relationships. The names didn't matter. You know, I treated them all the same. They all ended badly. So I, I got to see me. And it wasn't, wasn't something real pretty to look at. wasn't anything I, I want to brag about, but that's who I was. And uh, what's cool, though, is that there's a couple prayers in there. And... It says, in this way, we try to shape a sane and sound ideal for a future sex life. It says, we subjected each relationship to this test. Was it selfish or not? Mine were pretty much all selfish. So then it says, we ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. Because when I came here, I had no idea, no idea what I wanted in a relationship. I really thought Pamela Anderson was my answer. You know, if I just had her, everything would be okay. Well, a after asking God and saying that prayer, I found out I just, I want a woman who's honest, loving, and caring. That was the answer that came to me, so I wrote that down. But what I figured out was in order for me to get that kind of relationship, that's what I had to be to that person. You know, because I always had everything backwards when I came in here. And the uh, St. Francis prayer if you haven't read that yet, it, it's in the 12 and 12, but my problem was I was always trying to get somebody to understand me rather than trying to understand them, you know, and that, that hurt my relationships more than anything because they never understood. But today I try to take time to understand somebody else, you know, and that that's what makes my life worth living, you know, and the love thing. She never loved me enough. You know, if she loved me, she'd never do that. That That's where I was. But today, I found out that, you know, what I got to do is love. If I can love somebody, then it really doesn't matter if they're loving me enough. You know, I always had a scorecard, and it, it always came up short on her end. So today, I'm just I'm trying to practice this thing best I can. Um, the next thing was a fifth step. What I did was I met with a sponsor. I wasn't real excited about sharing all this stuff with somebody else, but that's that's what the book said to do. Yeah, he said he did it. He had been sober 10 years. I had been sober, what, two, three months? So I figured he knew what he was talking about. So, okay, let, let me read this to him. So I did. I, I met it. I even rewrote it. I thought he was going to grade it. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I had no, no idea. And, and he didn't even look at it. Yeah, he had me read it to him. So that's what I did. I, I went through and I read all that stuff. And what was cool was he shared some of his stuff with me. Yeah. And some of his stuff was worse than mine. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. And uh, but, it, but it was good to just let somebody else know that stuff. Because I had carried it around with me forever. Yeah. And, and I got all that out. And then there was more direction on the bottom of page 75. It said, we thank God from the bottom of the, our heart that we know him better. And, and when I did that step, I actually felt like I knew God better. Yeah, because all those secrets were gone. And, and I don't know how it works, but it did. Yeah, and then we, and then we moved on to the next step. Yeah, step six was, is one little paragraph in this book. 
It says, we have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Can he now take them all, every one? If we still cling to something, we will not let go. We ask God to help us be willing. So looking at that step and looking at my life, I, I was ready. Yeah, I was ready for God to remove all those defects of character. And once I told my sponsor I was ready to do that, he said, okay, let's do a seventh step. So once again, back down on my knees, yeah, page 76 has a seven-step prayer. And it says, my creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in my way and in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. And this this was something that I had never thought of on my own because I the God of my misunderstanding, I, I, I never thought I could go to him bad. But when I read this here, take all of me, good and bad, I, I realized God would take me the way I am. You know, good and bad. So that just opened up my eyes, you know, and, and he loves me, you know, just, just the way I am. So I don't, I don't spend a lot of time going over what my defects of character are. I just trust that he's got to remove them or he's not. And if he doesn't, maybe they can help somebody. I don't know. I heard a story where there was an old grumpy guy in the back of the meeting, and he cussed all the time, and people were judging him. I was like, hey, Kent, what, what's his problem? Yeah, he, he shouldn't be cussing. He's sober 2,000 years, yeah. And uh, a newcomer comes in, everybody's trying to hug on him, and he's pushing them away. He's like, I don't want to talk to these Fruit Loops. Yeah, they're trying to hug me. And then he goes, sits by that old crusty guy, and they speak the same language. You're cussing at each other. Yeah, next thing you know, he's sponsoring them, and he's okay. Yeah. So I don't know what a defect of character is, and I ain't going to work on mine. You know, I'm going to trust that God's doing what he's supposed to do, and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And after I got done doing that, there was an eighth step. Yeah, there's always another step. So in that eighth step, uh, my sponsor had three by five cards. And we went back to my four-step list, and I got to write Dad down on a card. And I flipped it over, and I wrote, I was wrong, wrong. I don't know if you guys ever said wrong before or saw a Happy Days with Fonzie on it, but Fonzie couldn't say wrong. Yeah, I used to say I'm sorry a lot. Yeah, the, the wrong thing was what got me. But I wrote that down. Dad, I was wrong for calling you uh, in blackouts. I was wrong for borrowing the money, not paying you back. And I just listed all that stuff. And I did that for each person on my list. And then I wrote, was there anything else I did to harm you? Because sometimes I couldn't remember the harms that I had done. And then after that, I asked, I wrote down, what can I do to make this right? So I showed up at Dad's house. He was the first one on my list. He was actually on a drive home. And the way I knew I was ready to make that amends was I heard this noise. It was me knocking on his door, <laughs> you know, and then he answered the door, and I, I went in, and I said, Dad, I owe you an amends, and he said, okay, and I, I already had the card memorized. I was doing that on the way over, and I always prayed before I, I did any of these amends because I didn't want to screw things up anymore than I already had, but I told him what I was wrong for. And I asked him if there was anything else I did to harm him. And then I got to shut up and listen. You know, he got to tell me. And then I asked him what I could do to make it right. And he said, you're doing it. He said, don't even worry about it. But I pulled out $20, you know, and said, here's 
payment plan. Yeah, I don't have it all right now, but I want to keep paying you. And uh, he said, don't worry about the money. I said, I, I don't, I'm not worried about the money. I'm worried about drinking again. i got to pay you back. You know, so I, he did. He accepted the money, and then I continued to pay him, and he's all paid off now. Woohoo! <laughs> so then uh, after that ninth step, the, there's a tenth step. And uh, tenth step for me is pretty much like steps four through nine all wrapped up in a bow. You know, if I on page 84... It says this is not an overnight matter. It should continue for a lifetime. To continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Yeah, so these are things that are still going to come up. I'm still going to be selfish. I'm still going to be resentful. I'm still going to have fear. But it tells me what to do. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. So that's a little prayer. I say, God, remove this fear. And then it says we discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. So it's good to have a sponsor I can talk to. It's good to have friends in AA and family. You know, I can talk to people about things that are going on. And then it says, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. And they read the ninth step promises here. But the tenth step promise for me, when I first had this happen, I was just amazed. What it says is, And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. And I don't know why they said automatically, because I had to do the first nine steps to get that. But when it did happen, it was automatic. You know, I woke up one day, and I, I wasn't fighting alcohol anymore. That obsession... The drink was gone from me. Yeah, it just blew, blew me away, and uh, and it hasn't returned. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. It says, uh, we will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us with any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. You know, and for me, that was a miracle, because every day before when I would try to stop drinking on my own, I had to consciously think about it and say, Chad, you're not going to drink today. And and I would always end up making the wrong choice. Yeah, that's just how it was before. But now, today when I woke up, I say a prayer, I go to work. Yeah, I don't think about not drinking throughout the day. I could stop at uh, Speedway, and they got alcohol in there, and I'm not tempted. Yeah, which just something that I've never experienced before. And then step 11 uh, suggests prayer, meditation. Everybody has has their own thing that they do there, so I won't bore anybody with what I do. And then the uh, seventh step is uh, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. And when I was going through these steps, I thought, Okay, once I do the first 11, that'll be like the icing on a cake. I might go help another drunk. That's where I was at. Yeah, they wrote a whole chapter on how important it was for me to help another alcoholic. And until I did it, I didn't know. And that was like all the rest of the steps. I I thought I knew, but after doing it, you know, I figured out that sponsorship... That is, that's the cake. It's the cake, the icing, it's the whole deal for me because I get to help somebody else. Um, and what's cool is they help me. 
just as much as I helped them. I got one here tonight. Yeah, I got to give him a two-year token, which just blew me away. I didn't think I'd get a two-year token, and now I'm giving one out. Yeah, just amazing. And we we did the same deal. Yeah, it wasn't. I didn't have to reinvent a wheel. I didn't have to think up anything on my own to help somebody else. All I needed was this book. Yeah, and I would meet at his house, and it was pretty pretty corny. Yeah, we both got down on our knees, held hands. Yeah, he said the third step prayer. I said the third step prayer. I'm walking out the door, and he says, this is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and, and I said, you're right. This is pretty good. And I knew he was going to be okay after that. I don't know how, but he, he was. Yeah, and, I, and more importantly, I knew I was going to be okay. Yeah, pretty awesome. I, I've heard fifth steps before. I get to share all my stuff with them. They're probably thinking some of my stuff's worse than theirs. Yeah, that's cool. But, yeah, to, to see grown men cry, yeah, and just that, I was never going to tell anybody that. Yeah, and they share with me, and, and I don't tell anybody, which is something just, that's amazing. I, um, so step 12 for me is real important. Uh, all the steps, really, they, they saved my life. What it's like today, we got like four minutes. Um I still have that same job, you know, make more money than I ever thought I would. Uh, boss actually pulled me down a while back. I used to get pulled into the office for other reasons. This time he pulled me in his office and he said, uh, how about a 10% raise? Yeah, I said, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. Um, what, I, I listened to other speakers outside AA, you know, motivational speakers, and, and one of them said, you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Yeah, so I try to do that at work today. You know, I try to not wait for him to give me a raise and then do more work. I try to do more work, and then maybe those things will come, and, that, and that's what happened. Uh, had to make an amends to an ex-wife. She was on my list after four years of being separated. Last night I got to see her. You know, uh, she had a, a child by somebody else. Um, this kid's just awesome. You know, he's, he's four years old. And uh, there was something that I read online, and it, it was a definition of a mother. And I knew my mother had to feel this way. And it says uh, what a mother is. It's like having your heart walk walk outside of your body you know and uh my mom always said that we were the most important thing to her and without us you didn't know what she'd do you know and uh to care that much to love that much about somebody else you know i didn't think it was possible for me but when i see that little kid walk around you know i don't know it's just uh it's amazing this program is amazing and I thank you all.